speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Romans chapter 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. What do we do with the problem of evil in this world? Yes, what do we do with the problem of evil that is in this world? Well, for starters, you and I need to acknowledge first that evil exists. You see, all too often in society, some individuals find it just easier, just easier to pretend that evil does not exist. They conveniently forget all of our history that is saturated with evil. And then they easily turn a blind eye to the present evil in our world. For them, evil is scary. And so it is just easier to put the head in the sand and think happy thoughts. Now this works fine for these individuals until what happens, until evil itself strikes and inflicts them personally, then they're faced with an enormous, enormous difficulty in how to handle evil. And so for the sake of this sermon and this morning, the first thing we must do and acknowledge is that evil exists. It does. It exists in this world. Secondly, if evil exists, which it does, it's important to define what is evil and what is not. Tragically, though, much of America, much of America defines evil on the basis of feelings. Indeed, the basis of feelings. For example, if something brings pleasure to an individual, well, that good feeling must mean that whatever's happening is good, but if something brings them pain in their life, well, then obviously that pain is because something evil has happened to them. And so it's obvious that we cannot base our understanding of evil on our feelings, our opinions, and thoughts as a basis of what to define good and evil. Instead, the Christian listens to the Word of God, the Word of God, God's holy word, to understand what is evil. For example, what we think and what we say, and what we do must be measured against the Ten Commandments. And so if someone breaks God's law, it's quite simple. It's evil. God's holy law are followed, then it's good. Pretty black and white. Now, you and I do not have to be highly educated as a sociologist or some grand theologian to understand and realize that the reason why so many people do not like the Ten Commandments is that the Ten Commandments reveal evil to us. 
that reveal evil to our culture. And as we know, when we do evil, well, we don't like being called out or caught ill-handed or red-handed, if you will. So logically, if we can get rid of those Ten Commandments, if we can cover them up, maybe move them off to the side, then we can get a hall pass while we convince everyone else around us that even though we're doing evil, we can pretend that it's good and get people to applause us in our evil deeds. There's another aspect to this as well. Calling something evil that is really evil is not, I repeat, is not breaking the Eighth Commandment. Too often in the church, now I'm speaking of the church, too often in the church, we get frustrated and accuse one another of breaking the Eighth Commandment when we label another Christian's public sin, public evil, action as evil. In other words, if a pagan or a Christian does evil in the light of day where everyone can see it, labeling their actions as evil is neither slander nor is it gossip. You see, the Eighth Commandment, it does indeed call us to put the best construction on all things, on everyone else around us. However, it does not compel us to falsely label evil as good. Again, putting the best construction does not mean that we pretend evil does not exist or act in a way that we incorrectly label evil as good when it is really evil. Thirdly, with the problem of evil, the Apostle Paul tells us in the Epistle of Romans, and we also heard it in this morning's introit, in the introit, that we are to, get this, hate evil. Now, we need to be perfectly clear on this point. We live in a time and a culture that we're told to tolerate. In other words, tolerance is a virtue of being a good citizen in America right now. However, the Apostle Paul states the exact opposite. He states that the mark of a true Christian is that the Christian, get this, that he hates, that is that he loathes and abhors evil. To make sure we understand the Apostle Paul, Paul, he could have used a couple of different words, maybe a word that meant to have a dislike of something, or uh, perhaps another word that would mean that you would have an internal frustration with some sort of evil, but you kind of keep it bottled within. On the outside, you look fine, but on the inside, you're disgusted. But instead, Paul uses a word in the original text, the Greek language. It's a word that means to publicly express hatred outwardly, to outwardly express hatred, to, to pull back, to separate from it. In other words, as a Christian, you and I, yeah, you and I, we should have absolutely zero tolerance for evil. Your body should actually recoil with disgust. Your words should call out evil for what it is when you encounter it. It's evil, and we step back. But this is where things get messy. You see, in our world, evil demands that it be tolerated. Right now, evil demands that it be tolerated. Yes, evil demands that you and I tolerate it in the name of love. However, often, we often do not know that once evil becomes dominant in a society, well, it attacks that which is good. As the theologian once said, evil actually preaches tolerance until it is dominant. Then it tries to silence good. But you, dear Christians, you are not to tolerate evil, not even for a second. The Christian is to hate what is evil while holding on with a steadfast faith to that which is good. 
Fourthly, the Apostle Paul tells us in our reading from the Epistle of Romans this morning that we're not to repay evil for evil. In other words, we don't hit back. It's what we tell our kids, don't hit back, for goodness sakes. You see, when evil is done to you, that neither gives you the permission or the justification to return evil for evil. It just does not work that way. But does this mean, does this mean that you and I as Christians are to be doormats? Indeed, we'll be doormats of abuse. Now, contrary to what many pacifists say, Paul is not saying that we have to be continually a doormat. Instead, what Paul is saying this morning is that insofar as it is possible, you and I should live in peace, not returning evil for evil. However, when there are times when a fight breaks out, when the fight is brought to you, and that fight is forced upon you as a Christian, when truth and righteousness and justice and duty demand that you defend yourself, just as Jesus defended himself in that palace of the high priest, well, then we defend ourselves. We defend what is righteous, true, and good. But as long as it is possible, you are to maintain peace with all people, not returning evil for evil. Fifthly, yes, fifthly, the Apostle Paul says that we Christians are to not retaliate and seek revenge for evil that has been committed against us. That is to say, the Christian is never to be the one who picks the fight or sets out with anger like a wild beast to settle the scores. We're not to hold on to vengeance with white knuckles, indeed with white knuckles. We Christians understand that wrath does not belong to you and me, but it belongs to God. And so Paul is telling us that when evil is committed against us, we are to leave room for the wrath of God, to allow God's vengeance to repay the sin of those around us, either through the proper authorities or ultimately at the end of the age. Now, dear friends, too often we resist letting go of vengeance. As we've said, we like to hold on to it with white knuckles, However, when we consider this, we must take note that when we don't retaliate against an enemy, when we actually take our ball and go home, well, it has a way of dumping hot coals on our neighbor's head, our enemy's head. You see, when we don't retaliate against an enemy, we leave them stirred in their sin, unable to swing at us, and unable to feel the drama. They're left in their own hatred, their own anger, their own disgust, with no enemy to fight and no one to stir up their drama indeed. They're left in the poison of their hatred, which God oftentimes will use his wrath to drive them to repentance and sorrow for their sin. Sixthly, Paul tells you and me not to let evil get the best of us. Instead, we are to get the best of evil by doing good. You see, by doing good, you demonstrate to evil that you are not subject to it. Get that? By doing good in the face of evil, you're expressing and showing that you're not subject to it. By doing good to evil, you are taking away evil's justification to hurt you. By doing good to evil, you show that your conscience is clean and that you belong to another, not the tit-for-tat games done by evil. By doing good, you will heap hot coals on heads, binding people's consciences, leaving them with the burden that they are attacking kindness 
and love and compassion. And finally, perhaps the biggest thing we can learn about evil is what we learn from Jeremiah. Yes, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah stated in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, he states this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked evil. You see, there's a great problem with evil in the world, no doubt about it. As we look in the world, we see evil around us in every corner, nook, and cranny. However, that same evil that we see in the world is much closer than we think. The harsh truth is that evil that we see in the world is right here in our midst. It's right here in our hearts, right here in this heart, in your heart as well. You see, evil is around us and is right here in our hearts, which means that it needs to be recognized and defined and confessed so that we may not judge the evil of the world while still having a large plank of hypocrisy in our eyes. Dear friends, evil exists. It must be defined. It must be confronted. For if there's no such thing as evil, then Christ, well, he died for nothing. But because there is evil, but because there is evil, you and I and our neighbor, we need a Savior. Indeed, we need a Savior. You see, you and I, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. That makes sense. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to do a selfless sacrifice for them. But get this. God put his love on the line for you and for me by offering his son in a sacrificial death while we were evil and of no use whatsoever to him. That is the gospel. Christ dying for evil people. And so all evil, we could say, all evil belongs to Jesus and his forgiveness. Your evil belongs to Jesus. Jesus came for that evil heart to redeem us as evil persons unto himself with his goodness and his radiance of life. And so you are in Christ, which means that evil finds its end in Jesus and his bloody death on your behalf. And for those who scorn the cross of Christ, those who mock and trample on the Son of God, well, their evil still belongs to Jesus, Jesus' vengeance on the last day. Lord, have mercy. And so today, may the Lord preserve you and me as we walk through this veil of tears with all of its evil and its nooks and crannies. May the Lord preserve us in his grace and his mercy, resting in Christ's forgiveness for us until the last day when all evil is put away for good so that we can rest in perfect harmony with one another in the presence of the Lord Almighty. Your evil finds its end in Christ, in the forgiveness of Jesus, and you find goodness in Jesus for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.